Okay. Alright, recording. You're recording. I'm recording. Wouldn't Welcome back, Kenzie's. Wouldn't be a show if I wasn't eating. Yep, if I wasn't drinking malt liquor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Keep this going as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, welcome back. uh, We're live after a a lovely screen of space is the place. Barely alive. Thank you for coming, friends. That went well. That was the most litty I've ever gotten at one of our shows. (laughs) I forgot my backpack when Will was giving me a ride home, and then also forgot the water bottle that was sitting right next to the backpack. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. I'm glad uh, some of our listeners were there. Some of you came up and said, hey, and you loved the... That's that's cool. That's true. And I found also, uh, I looked at the like most recent letterbox reviews of Space is the Place, and someone had a thing about the movie, and then at the end said... <laughs> it, was, uh, it was hosted by... The dudes from the Oscar Bait podcast, and uh, they, it's <laughs> something like, <laughs> it was a, a bunch of one-note jo- jokes with the same punchline in parentheses, weed, <laughs> it said, and uh, like reminded us that everyone doesn't need, to, everyone shouldn't have a podcast. Uh, well, and, I, and I commented and said, uh, we're, we're pros of one-note jokes, and we agree we shouldn't have a show. Thanks so much for coming. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I just love when I, I don't know if that it's like meant to be a a stinging insult, but like, yeah, we love dumb one note jokes. You got us. Yeah. <laughs> we like uh very above just barely getting it over the rim. Yep. Guess so, what's funny? Weed's funny. Sorry. Weed is yeah. funny. Hey, well until you get uh, a big organization to throw money at your ideas, uh Right. You know. You, can, you know, you can take them right in your your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, well, it was a long night, so we gotta. I need to get regular here. Yeah, we did that, and that's good. And uh, we're not going to talk about it much because we're doing an episode to properly get into it. But uh, Ola Zemecki is loose into the universe. Yeah, we have. You, none of you've guessed it. <laughs> we were so boy about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But uh, April 13 to 19. Yeah. Yield Music Box, the nearly complete works of one Robert Zemeckis. What's his middle name? I wanted to say it, but I don't know it. I bet it's something like Michael. Robert Lee Zemeckis. Oh, okay. I see parents. Didn't know that. See, we're learning new things every day. RLZ is a pretty cool set of letters. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's happening, and we're going to, after this episode, we're going to do an episode to cover the one thing we actually planned to and forgot to cover in our deep dive and use that as a a proper, you know, run through of some of what you can expect. But we're going to do drinking, drugging, and smoking in the 21st century, whatever the fuck that full title is. <laughs> yeah, whatever it's called. Which is the which is the one the if you listen to the Dave Carr episode, 
the one Zemeckis thing that uh, was hard enough to see that he hadn't seen it when he did the Zemeckis retro. So, yeah. And you guys can come watch that at Music Box probably, which is going to be weird and definitely the first and last time it will ever play anyway. <laughs> oh, for sure. Most of these will never play again. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the yeah, the rarities. Yeah, let me just take quick aim at us being associated with um, something called blank check. That's uh, that's our alter egos. Yeah, we're also that. Yep. We make a lot of money off Patreon. Apparently, <laughs> they make a lot of money. Uh, they have nothing to do with this. They keep getting associated. Share. I don't care. Share away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe I don't care either. More people will come if they think they're hosting it than if. We <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see the blank check guys do some uh, good weed material. Okay. That's, yeah. Dank check. <laughs> see, that's funny, guys. Come on. We twenty parts are funny, butts are funny, all that stuff's funny. Just like, I like that. I like that this little curmudgeon was probably in the crowd being like, "Weed is not funny. Weed. A lot of people have been incarcerated for weed. Weed is not a joke." I love weed. <laughs> well, just to smite this guy, I'm gonna probably get like too high to do this episode. No, well, let's get moving. So okay, you what's up? What's up, there. baby? What we got? <laughs> all right. Well, today. Today we're gonna um, we're gonna talk about some movies that uh, two of them a lot of people are talking about. One of them everyone's talking about. The other one most people are talking about, and the the other one not enough people are talking about. Yeah, they're the first one they're talking about everywhere about mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. and uh, incredibly loud and extremely close. <laughs> See, jokes like that can't get anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> we're the first people to uh, on purpose not say the name of this movie correctly but yeah i finally watched uh, i finally watched this movie that the way john worded it was he'd been dealing with holding this this uh rage by himself and needed some support and so i finally watched it and i uh, i try i worked really hard to be open-minded I know because you did. I also there's there's a lot of fun when I truly do love something that John hates with all of his soul. It feels good, you know. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was part of me. I was like, that's gonna be so sick if I actually love this movie because John's gonna want to kill me. Well, I was truly worried about losing a lot of, let's say, close personal relationships <laughs> over uh, yep. possibly how this could uh, go. Hmm. And uh, thankfully, it didn't come to that because I only yeah. associate with uh, people who use their brain. Yeah. Or actually, it doesn't even matter. You don't need to use your brain. Maybe there's too much brain working for this this movie. Maybe you need a little more. No, little more I don't, I don't think thing. there's there's. I don't think there's any brain, and I think there is uh, zero heart. There's a little performative heart, but there's literal actual zero heart. Yeah, let me just say, like, I saw this long ago, and I will not, and I'm not going to revisit it. So I'm basing this off of seeing this when the first screeners came out for critics. Yeah. And yeah, and I watched I, it fresh. You watched it fresh. And uh, I I truly just clicked on it because I'm a little piggy. Who, who knows? Michelle Yeoh. I love Michelle Yeoh. We are big Yeoh heads over here. Yep. And not surprisingly, she is incredible, as always. Yeah, she's oh, great. She's always incredible. This is the problem I had with it is that when you you express that you weren't a fan of it, and people immediately like, 
But with the performers, it's like, well, yeah, the performers are great. Anybody who's a good actor does well in whatever bullshit they're in. Just like a person with a great voice can make shitty music. Yep. Not impressed by that. Like, if the movie is good, then I feel like their performances matter to me. But of course, yeah. I Michelle Yeoh is going to kill it, whatever she does. I, yeah. I mean, I I mean there's really, I think there's only one person who's truly like bad in this movie. Oh, are we talking about our favorite? I imagine we're talking about the same person. We haven't talked about it, but I assume we're on the same page here. Are we talking about that? Uh, that yeah, with the really clever vision. name, the really clever name in the movie, with the fucking uh, speaking of one note jokes, the the one named Deirdre Bo Beardra in the movie. Mm, yeah. Yep, that yeah. was the beginning of me like starting to flop sweat. I knew you would. I, I was worried that you might try to like it too much because no, I, just, I really tried to be open i was just like i want to get as much of a, a like an objective reaction to this as i possibly can and i tried really hard and then yeah i started i mean you can't you can't alter a, a physical reaction <laughs> to art no i mean um i had one i mean i texted you as soon as i watched it i texted you and said i haven't sweat this much from anger watching a movie since birdman and, and, I, I, and I think that's an apt comparison uh, to what we're dealing with here. <laughs> yeah, we're we're dealing with a Birdman level size shit here. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is like the time I was late to a highs and lows screening because I parked under this tree in my neighborhood where all these birds sit. And I, remember this? And like the, they literally <laughs> shit so much on my window, I couldn't see out. Um. That's kind of what everything incredibly close feels like to me. And I think like, I, I don't get it. I think like the movie is so hyper paced in a way that just makes you exhausted. Like, yeah, there, but for there, no reason. I mean, it does feel like you jumped into the mind of someone with like, you know, severe ADHD and are like just getting like pummeled back and forth. And it, and there's nothing really that binds any of it together. Like, no, it's, it it's, could be like, if you, if you were, we love movies that go and force you into the mind of someone with a different brainscape, you know, but we're not talking about like clean shaven. <laughs> this movie. No. No. It's not an actual, uh, there's really no point to why it's that way, except they knew that it would, that it would hide the this is just a dumb fucking empty idea <laughs> that wouldn't have gotten the, the uh accolades it's been getting i don't think had it come out like i don't think you would see this movie pre-parasite doing this kind of a reaction yeah you know it I mean? made I me think, think of like when it, the kind of shit it reminded me the most of and it makes sense because this is truly a dormer and poster movie to yeah, me. yeah. Like, that's through, a good way right? of putting it i mean it, it, yeah these are like the dudes who like when you went to college and for that first week, you're like, oh, my God, everyone loves movies at college because everyone says they do. And then you go into the room and it's like, you know, this is like just Boone, fucking Fight Club, and Boone Dark. Yep. Fight Club. Entourage. On, well, that's cool. Let's not. <laughs> oh. there. But yeah, it's that this movie feels like what walking into one of those dorm rooms is like, is you know exactly what like you're going to get. 
Yeah. It's like a non-starter as far as conversation or like friendship or thought or, and it's also, it's been confusing and upsetting me so much that so many people are like, wow, it's proof that an original movie can do really well. That's that's the one thing that I feel like they're not even dishonest about that. that. Like the references are so on the sleeve, you know, like it's just a, it's just crazy. I don't know. It's just crazy to me that people are calling it original because it's just lazy, lazy, like silly pastiche. Well, this is why I think we were so interested. And I wanted to talk about it, even though I hate it. I, I, I abhor what it tries to represent and pass off as forward thinking cinema. I mean, many times we've talked about how the the independent world of filmmaking has been completely corroded and taken over by, you know, bigger studios, bigger money. I mean, that market has disappeared completely from what it used to be. Yep. So this is kind of that off run of like, I mean, A24 is now the biggest thing of it. And I'm not. And this is the this is the pinnacle of everything they've always been trying to do, I think. Like, this is the most yeah. A24 thing there's ever been. I'm sorry, but what every, everything I said about that, little fucking shell with the shoes we're here i'm sorry, I'm like sorry and at one of our shows i threatened to throw him back into the ocean <laughs> make him home for a snail again i that movie is fine to me i yeah, well, that's fine not, let's not be too hasty but well it's innocuous it because what what i feel so is so insidious about this and what it does scream to me about the way that the some of the worst people who are in your film class and your film studies class have gotten these jobs. I'm sure the damn Daniels are not any different. I mean, look at those fucking losers. I mean, <laughs> you just, you see them and you want to, you want to go immediate swirly. Just the you can worst just, swirly. You can just hear them like interrupting every time something interesting starts happening in a film class, which is rare. So, yeah. The rare times that starts happening, you can just hear them interrupting it with things like, you know, Malcolm X is my favorite crime movie, or you know, Spike Lee commented on that. He was like, "Yeah, I've never heard that description of my movie, Malcolm (laughs) X." But (sighs) things are just in movie world of supposedly forward-thinking cinema. Things are so fucking bloodless right now. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, It's no stakes movie making, like through and through. And it's and it's fascinating because this is like what we're always talking about. This is like the zeitgeist. Like people yeah. are starved for movies, and it's not really like I would give the general public's fault. Like no, people want something it. new and different. It's a lot harder to find the good, new, and different things that already exist out there when this shit just gets pummeled at you in ads and you know, PR companies flood like uh, social media to yeah. get this shit out here. So you're kind of feeling like this is it and we're here to tell you it's not uh thankfully there's been a quite a many decades of movie making of stuff that is ripe to discover and let's talk maybe you know instead of spending this time just completely shitting on everything that's stupid about this movie the talking rocks the fucking bagel world the 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 putting characters in like the twin peaks red room well, that's also you can't you can't walk past that they actually think it's not only funny, but they truly think it's a brilliant move to use a song 
that those of us unlucky enough to grow up when it came out and heard on the fucking school bus and on every field trip for so long, they truly think they've done something brilliant by playing fucking story of a girl. Yeah, I know. That's also when the heavy sweat, when the because it comes in that line of dialogue first. And when he did it, like when he when they did that and played it straight, like for an emotional beat, I was like, I'm going to have to die pretty soon. <laughs> I, I was wondering while watching what I could guess was on these guys' iPods. Oh, I'm sure you could do it pretty easily. Yeah, it just seemed interesting. Like I see like, like they're kind of like most listens would be like that Peter Bjorn and John song. Yep. Um, that would be one. Uh, now I've lost focus. <laughs> Our we have an instigator in this fucking. This is why. This is why I need my own space to record. <laughs> this kind of. Yeah, I love you, baby. Um, but uh, whatever I was saying, you know, you can predict what's on. No, they're just again. It's just dorm room. It's just fucking dorm room posters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, what they probably really like. I could see them being like Cold War kids fans. Oh, Jesus Christ! I forgot um, They they're like the NYPD police and think like. Drake is like gangster music. Like, <laughs> Shit, that's hard. And the casting of Michelle Yeoh, let's just cast any, you know, myths away about what you think that they were trying to develop when they made this movie. They actually reached out to super fascist, but we love him, Jackie Chan, <laughs> yeah. and asked him to do it, and he said no. And then they were like, uh, someone... Someone on their team. 100% someone told them, how about this actress named Michelle Yeoh? And they were like, who? Oh, yeah. Well, they turned on the bell. They don't seem like they're fans. There's nothing about it that felt like there was love of Michelle Yeoh. It felt like Michelle Yeoh, upon knowing that Jackie Chan was originally supposed to be in it, made a lot more sense. Well, and it's perfect for, you know, because A24 does love a good opportunity to virtue signal but pretending they're wrapping it in doing something like hard r-rated with tough stuff in it but like the combination of michelle in it um with the fucking daughter being a lesbian and then uh just all the it's just so painful it's painful it's uh it's clearly these uh dummies jockeying for like a a marvel movie right like clearly oh, well then they got it they're gonna be no trouble come on yeah they're gonna be doing ant-man meets the iron man yep very now they're, yeah now they're set because i'm not mad at people like you said like i get it i get when you when you are embedded in the world and you think that this is truly something special because you've been forced into it i get it i'm not mad at them but I'm very sad that it worked because that means there's a lot of work to be done <laughs> to get to get folks back in a place where they're ready to like you know actually get what they deserve. You don't have to like it just because it's there, and you need something to watch, and you don't want to be a a humbug. You know, you can like you can. Do, I mean, because there's people that I've talked to about this with who've like claimed that they were a fan of it, and the more we talk about it, they're like, well, okay, you know, or maybe. But they won't tell anyone because they feel weird about it because it's well, that perfect kind of marketing and all that shit too, where it's getting spun. Right. And if you don't like it, you are a insert whichever thing. This is not an insult to people, and I've certainly been a, I've been, I, you know, I've fallen into it. I don't. It doesn't happen with movies much anymore, but it's happened with like music. Where like oh, yeah. something comes out, you're excited, you want you want it to be something that it it isn't, 
you put a lot of good faith into trying to make it that. And then once the bubble pops and then the next thing has come around, then suddenly you, you're, it's like, um, it's like what a Chris Elliott says, and there's something about Mary. You got to jerk off before a date, you know. You got to get the uh, you got to get the baby out of the brain, and then you're like, oh, maybe actually I don't want this person staying over smoking all my weed. Maybe I. <laughs> so. It's <laughs> um, the true lesson. Is just if everyone, if all of you had masturbated before you watched everything betwixt us twisting all in a circle um you would have probably gone huh huh and i i got it the last thing too i think we should move on because we don't because the way this thing ends like pretending that it was all this journey towards like studying this relationship and the uh and it killed me too because uh, there's also been a lot of people who have said like oh it was i literally saw the word revolutionary but people who were like it was incredible the way it depicted Chinese uh, parents relationships and how and how complicated that is and how tough it is and every time I, saw, I was like guys you know there are a lot of movies that have done this from China from really? Hong Kong you mean yeah, literally from Hong Kong like maybe there's hundreds of them maybe there's stuff in the silent era even huh even if you just don't want to go as far as the 80s 80s and 90s there's plenty of shit there's yeah. tons. It's crazy. Yeah. Look, just Jesus Christ, fucking watch Joy Luck Club, man. Like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. The, kind of the, the, the framework of this episode that we talked about is we were, we want to go through three new movies from this year that are, um, you know, even though it's the season for it, but longer than your average movie, right? So like two and a half hours to three hours or whatever. And... We've, we we agree on this very much. We're just both fans of filmmakers who know how long their movie should be. Sometimes that's eight hours, you know. Sometimes that's 40 minutes. People who actually just know how long it should be, that's the right length. I, you know, I think we agree on that. But especially in, you know, award season and all that shit, it's a, it often happens where a lot of these overly empowered um, people with no real actual editors in their life um, pump out movies that are overly long. And uh, yeah, so we started with um, everything and we're kind of making uh, making this journey because the next one, even though we ultimately do agree on it, John's more upset than I am. So it's good. So this will be the transitional one and we're going to talk about a uh, one uh, supposed lover of jazz and cinema, Damien Chazelle. Why wow. you? How do you? How do you feel about Babylon, my friend? Um. Well, I'm always trying to achieve it. <laughs> I'm trying to get to Babylon. <laughs> Did you get there when you watched this movie? Uh, afterwards, when I <laughs> turned my brain off with a little of that iry nug, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean Babylon did not piss me off obviously as much as the last one because I actually like feel like I want to talk about Babylon yeah but um there's there's, there's stuff there which is can be more frustrating that should be the pull quote on the movie poster there's some <laughs> stuff there <laughs> it's true yeah because there is yeah. there's, there's some a stuff couple there. of things there's an interesting idea I mean listen for 
I'm a I'm a fucking movie homo like all of you. I love the movie. Mm-hmm. Give me all the stuff that is modulin and overly sentimental about Hollywood. I'll suck its dick. Okay. I will I'll <laughs> I'm gonna really but um I you know, I like that shit. Like and especially like Hollywood history stuff and oh, I Oh it's crack. It's fucking crack. I'm a big fan us. of the Kenneth Anger, Hollywood Babylon. I love there's a couple other books I've read on it. I love the story of which I was hoping they would incorporate, which I think um, maybe on another show we'll do our own Hollywood Babylon. But there's mm-hmm. uh, the story. I think it was Samuel Goldwyn or one of those motherfuckers, one of those. Good. But um, Good. but uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> one of those guys was throwing a party at the Coconut Grove where he. Uh, they had a naked woman, a dancer, frozen in ice, and as it yeah. melted, yeah. we talked about that in here. Yeah. Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. And then she, she was dead, and her body yeah. just flopped out, and they just kind of shuffled her off while they brought the, you know, blackface coconut bra dancers out. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's so, it's, cr- it's so it's like the most ripe for zero effort cinematic gold to yeah. tell any of those stories, um, and I think it. I think what's such a bummer is like there's there's actually a lot I really like in this movie, but none of it is that stuff, right. which is what's wrong here. Because every time he's doing that, it feels so lame <laughs> and so like so he can't you can't even nail the fatty Arbuckle man. It's like can't it's canned like the that scene should have all of all of the first because basically like the fucking I I should have crushed his fat body should have crushed that woman who'd peed on him that's the fatty Arbuckle story not this rip off of a scene from Boogie Nights which I swear to God this Damien de Chazelle like (laughs) de Chazelle (laughs) yeah this guy is like I said in the last episode he's a Liberty Spikes trust fund kid at your middle school yeah, he Who just loves to talk about how there's not enough freedom in the U.S. <laughs> um, and listens to anti-flag. Like, yeah, that's this guy. And, no, he listens to jazz only, my dude. But that was when he went to college. <laughs> he started wearing argyle sweaters. <laughs> yeah. Like he's uh he's like Damien Chazelle strikes me, and and sometimes good because I like First Man. I think we've talked about that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the movie First Man. Yeah, you like it too much. Maybe I do like and I probably wouldn't like it as much if I saw it again. Babylon made me think, no, I was right, but he's he's at least I don't know if he's at least trying to do good or if this guy is like just watched that documentary uh that Martin Scorsese did about American cinema yeah. and is just like <laughs> like operating in that mode. I know he knows this stuff. And he does like he 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 likes it, but his actual guts I don't think are actually with it because well, that's does, why the scenes ring so like fucking boring. And that's the craziest is that all the party scenes are boring. Yeah, well, <laughs> it feels crazy. like he's it feels like he's a skimmer. You know, he doesn't put his whole pussy into it. You know, he's like <laughs> he's like. <laughs> He's just outside of it. I think, it, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's just yeah, he, not, I think he knows all those things, but he can't actually like ingest them and then put them back out. That movie was too long. It just felt too shiny, too. Um, yeah, it's too clean. It's kind of like Del Toro with fucking Nightmare Alley. Like it was all too clean and too polished to be telling such a skanky story. 
And that's what the selling point is, is the skankiness, not the shock. Like you're right. Tell it right from a human angle. Then that stuff actually is shocking. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, like, let's just talk about a couple of things. Like there's so many characters. It feels like the, the they're not, they're not very many characters. There are so many. There's a lot of people. Yes. That we have to follow. (laughs) Like a couple characters. The main, I mean, the main character, I don't even remember this guy's name is the most undynamic character in the whole fucking movie. Oh, there's no character. And we have to follow him the whole movie? He doesn't have a character, and... Um, and he's fucking... not blank enough to be a proxy for the audience. He's just a boring character written into the movie that you can't latch on to. And then you have the trumpet player who, by the time you get to him putting the shoe polish on, it's like, I'm that scene should be impactful and I don't care because I'm, I'm numbed by the whole thing. I, it just seems like at this point you're getting off easy, pal. <laughs> like there's no stake when it, well, gets- it just doesn't, it just, the way, the way they shoot it suggests we have watched up to that point, like one of the most emotionally engaging and powerful films we've ever seen. And we are ready for it to like come, come to its crescendo. Yeah. And instead, it feels so exploitative in a really, like, really nasty, like, shitty way. It does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that whole time, I was like, you were just excited to try to make something hit with blackface, my dude. I'm sorry. Like, that's... Totally. And it feels tacked on when clearly you want to tell these other stories, which you're not even telling very well. Think, Not like you I wanted think... to be the cotton club. You know what I mean? There's yeah. less characters, but I kind of saw him thinking he was cutting between the uh, Richard Gere and um, people in with Gregory Hines. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. That all all jokes aside, that it does feel like that a bit. Um, and when instead, if he focused on what actually interests him, which is clearly only. A couple scenes with Margot Robbie and all of Brad Pitt, right? Outside of the parties, like the story of a of someone who thinks they are on top of the world forever, who believes in and loves what they do with all of their heart, finding out that no matter what they do, that is going to die, and like that is going to end, and there's nothing that can be done to change it, no matter what. And they didn't even necessarily do anything wrong to right. make it. like that's what interests him. And that part of this movie is good. That, <laughs> no, I was going to say that the better part of the movie is Brad Pitt, but I'm almost thinking that's Brad Pitt doing the work. Like, it's Brad Pitt because well, he's it is, but even like, you're going to follow him no matter what. Well, but it highlights. He does a great John Barrymore, too. Oh, he's so good. But it highlights why it works with Damien because he clearly shows that he can ruin someone doing great work, right? Because. Yeah. Margot Robbie is fucking great in this. Like, she does a great job, I think. I really think she does. And it's not her fault how it comes across. And it's also, like, doing doing Claire Bow is near impossible, honestly. Like, that is such a hard character. And I think she nails it. The way it's shot is terrible. The way it's edited is terrible. But I think she really does embody it. But he doesn't care. And so he shoots it in that awful, like, kinetic insane amount of cut style but then with brad pitt he lets it breathe because he actually cares about that story well because with brad pitt he's clearly doing john barrymore with her he she's more of a composite she's clara bow she's a little joan crawford 
But like, it's mostly Clara because they're like mostly Clara, the crux is like the like horrific childhood, you know. I well, mean, absolutely, there's that, yeah. but there's a couple of stories. I mean, obviously, he's trying. Oh, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things wrapped up. We don't need to get into that, but I want to talk about three scenes, and then we'll move on to our last movie. Okay. So the first scene I want to talk about, and we're going in order. And this is towards the end of the movie. I want to talk about the scene with Margot where she is at the at that party towards the end. Oh, yeah. She has her big freak out scene. Now, I'm sure whatever sniz Damien Chazelle was on while making this movie, he was watching that being like, this is going, I'm, you know what, folks? I'm going there. Mm-hmm. He thought he yeah, was. He thinks, oh, he he thinks, thinks this whole thing is so bold he and it's crazy. He's going so hard with this scene. So, Margot's scene where she basically tells off high society, she goes bad girl mode and, you know, just doesn't give a fuck. And she uh, she eats food in a funny way and gets and trauma style vomits to such an extreme degree. It's really this, ah, this fucking. This is what I'm talking, I don't know, like if that idea works, but I want to believe that like that kind of surreal grotesquery that could work because well, could. But you have to go to a fucking sweet movie. movie. You have to be smart. <laughs> Yeah, or you have to be Wolf of Wall Street, which the whole movie, all I could think about was Wolf of Wall Street and how it does shit like this so much better. Because it cares. Because it cares. cares, And it's terrified about what it's it's showing. Yeah. I don't know if Damien Chazelle is terrified. I think Damien. No, I think he was lit up about it. He was like, this is so cool. Damien's like, I would love to be at those orgies. Yes. Oh, they're killing a, an elephant off screen while I'm getting my, my tiny penis sucked? <laughs> I don't think about that. Like, he doesn't understand that world. Yeah, he just thinks it's cool. by it. Yes, he thinks yeah. it's cool, and he wants to be a part of it because he hasn't lived through it. He thinks cocaine is still cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, He's genuinely still trying to go to a Brian Singer party, even though people have been like, dude, it's just him and a, like a high school baseball team sorry a junior high baseball team. junior high baseball team yes yeah. like it's not cool and he's like well i don't know though i i heard the yayo was off the chain exactly <laughs> such a little nerd vibe like and that scene where she's vomiting and telling everyone off just i got i don't know that was when i really my anger ramped up to like uh our cartoonish like you know thermometer bursting level yeah where i was like you're uh, taking what should be a moment and could work. Oh, that's a great moment. That's a great moment. It and again, be. that's also based in many, many, many different histories. Exactly. And it should have been, that could have been a big, uh, like, release valve for the movie. And it's not. Nope. When I got, it's funny because we, we just went different directions in our reactions. It's like that, you got mad in that scene. And I just got sad because, for, again, like, I was like, I'm just, I just want someone to give Margot Robbie a real movie. Yeah. Like, is it made me, what's the fucking shitty ass ice skating one? I, Tanya. Like, it made me think of that. It made me think of all these, like, all these terrible things she's been in where she's so good. And I was like, man, imagine, like, someone who actually cares about and knows how to make a fucking dark, interesting movie with comedy with her in it. It would be so sick. As we, like, pummel towards the end of this movie i had a tingling and the reason is is because um i think which is crazy and maybe i'm wrong here and i hope i'm wrong here i hope you are too but i think that 
with the the with the uh character in the jazz band who then has to dumb blackface the way he shot that and the way he thinks he builds up to it i couldn't help but think that he was thinking that in his mind he was like i'm on some bamboozled shit here like mm-hmm. we're flirting with we're flirting with that kind of like spike energy like that's what he thinks he's doing yeah we'll get to the, we'll get to why it sh- is reminding you of bamboozled in one second. but i said we're going in order here okay. yeah what's the other scene go ahead sorry the one that is probably being talked about the most and again we talked about performance rocking i love this guy and he does a really good job at this he's one he kind of perks the movie up for a second and that's when toby shows up as i guess syphilitic gangster gets <laughs> some sort of sexual disease thing. <laughs> Whatever. he's got some that looks like something. he got from doing some weird nasty shit yep and um he uh, shows up as the crux for the margot Robbie character he's like holding yeah he's gonna kill her basically so these guys go to see her and they bring a bag of money to pay him off and oh they're fucking it's fake money no No way what does that remind me of (laughs) Hmm. what famous scene where there's a spotlight one shot cameo of some prestigious actor going off in a gangster role what scene does that remind me of? What could it be? Building tension. It's blowing. I can't think of what that movie is. Hmm. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come to me. Or maybe that movie is just so good. Babylon's so good that it invented that, that scene. It did. Um, what's, fu- <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is they're taking this scene. If you don't know what we're talking about, people, it's pretty nice. <laughs> I shouldn't have to tell you that, but it's uh, just the scene from Boogie Nights. But in this way of him cracking a monster energy drink and being like, and smoking like his first blunt ever. And that's yeah. not backwards, folks. That's White Owl rolled. And yep. yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, that's true. And he's yeah. hitting it. And he's like, you know what? I think I can make this scene uh, even more intense. So he's like, hmm. What if I do what I seem to be doing the whole movie and I just play a little puzzle game where I take good things, scenes from movies that are way better than my fucking movie. And what if I like put them together? What if I like, whoa, shit, motherfucker. What if like, (laughs) what if I took Boogie Nights and like I merged it with like Blue Velvet? (laughs) What would you? What would that be? Broken crazy man, <laughs> and uh, it it then tries to like take it one up. It's like wow, we're descending into hell, and it's gonna get fucked up. Truly, okay, I'm not gonna lie, and maybe this is uh, me showing my penis a little too much here, but um, <laughs> you always do. I as I do. I did kind of get. I was kind of feeling a little nervous at that scene, only because I thought as they would descend through these layers that it would um, like that it would get you'd see something fucked up in some sort of dumb 
exploitative yeah. way to like sure. really disturb you and be like, well, you kind of like, you know how much I hate the movie Mandy. Yeah. Well, well, we we're united in our we're united in that. But there's one scene that always bothered me because it just disturbed the fuck out of me. And it's like the scene where Nicolas Cage breaks out and then he sees that person with like the knife dildo yeah. or the knife strap on. And then the guy passed out next to it. And you're like, ew. <laughs> and it, like, I'm not going to say like, I hate that movie, but that image did crawl under my skin in a very unnerving way. Well, that's why that movie sucks. Cause it could have been something actually like transgressive and weird. If again, music video, but whatever. But it and again, but it succumbs to trying to rip off yeah. um, Hellraiser and uh, Salem's Lot and fucking sure. like Texas Chainsaw too. So this movie, like, you know, by the time you're like seeing this stuff, it's like this isn't getting more disturbing, really. No. Like you're you're showing he can't up, be like, disturbing. He's all, at the end of the day, this is a lily white milk toast motherfucker. Yeah. He is like that's what it comes down to because he thinks he did get disturbing. It's like whoa, man! There's sideshow freaks on a stage and people are fucking next to them. <laughs> yeah, like that's enough for him to be like, "Holy shit, I'm really doing it." Yeah, that sounds like a Saturday night. Like, what are you? Doing? What are <laughs> I you imagine doing? him being like, "Sorry, mom and dad, had to do it." <laughs> yeah, don't empty my uh, trust fund. <laughs> That I, I I perked up a little there and it did nothing for me. And then that's when I was like, I think I have to turn this off. Wait, but you didn't finish like, it? No, no, I did. But that's oh. the moment where I actually thought about bailing. And you know I don't bail. But no. I was like, and I've sat through so much of this, I have to finish it. So that scene happens. It, there is you know, the stakes are so incredibly stupid of like this guy even getting away from that scenario. It's just there aren't any stakes. It's like by that point you've seen that there is no um there is no uh actual poison behind this movie. It is a yeah. clean glove sort of shit. So that that you know, that that was that was kind of where I was just like, Well, I'm just resigned to finish the movie at this point. Yeah. Which brings us to finishing talking about this fucking thing and the last, uh, I guess, whatever you want to say, like five minutes of the movie. Okay, so here's a spoiler. If you're one of these people who's still convinced that you need to see Babylon. I mean, watch it. You should. You should. You know, we should know. Everyone should watch everything and Babylon for sure to know where we're at. You should watch everything all everywhere. Like all these people giving good letterbox reviews for it, watch all these movies at once. <laughs> you know, just get it that way. You're killing two birds with one stone. So yourself with one stone. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah. So we get we so, get to, so, this, we get to skip, this end. Skip here if you do want to still see this fucking thing, but you know, probably skip ahead. You know, a good several minutes probably five to ten minutes but here's the last five minutes of the movie this boring ass character shows up again after somehow getting away from the aforementioned thing we just talked about somehow escapes from that with the stupid hitman scene being like we're, we're honestly the movie i was like well this could be cool margot robbie's disappearing into the darkness that's a haunting way for her character to die even though she doesn't she doesn't die. We have to have an epilogue being like, she died later. 
It's like, well, that sucks. How did she that later like Louise Brooks in an apartment? Yeah, she's drunk walking up the street. You're telling me this crack shot hitman's not going to spot that? Yeah, in the dark. There weren't <sighs> cameras then, guys. So anyway, it loses you there, and then like suddenly this guy's like, "Get out of here, go!" <laughs> and like it's like, what? <laughs> so he gets away again. This guy has got the best luck. Let me tell you, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> no Latino at that time was getting that kind of luck. Let's well, just, I mean, do, well, let's just be honest about that. We could argue, we could argue about that, but that's not for this. Episode. Well, they were being exploited by the studios to make Latin, well, yeah, yeah, English speaking. We could, yeah, that's another story. But <laughs> another um, story. how the studios use these people, yeah, we don't do that. But um, his character stinks, and so now we're still with him, and he's back somehow, and he's like, "I'm gonna go to a movie." So he goes to a movie and he like sits with them. I don't know. I don't remember what he's watching. Oh no, I do because that's what also sucks about it. I'm so stupid. He's oh yeah, singing in the rain. Which you mean you d- you didn't notice when they had recreated scenes in every single part of this movie that isn't. I know they use this. They use the scene from Hollywood oh, Review shit. of 1929 with the original version of Singing in the Rain. Mm, um, very cool. He it's almost like he Googled it. <laughs> yeah i mean the movie just tell i mean that's the thing it's like if you want to know this story just watch singing in the rain so much so that at the end of the movie he shows the guy watching singing in the rain which would be a funny joke but i don't think he's in on his own joke oh. and he's showing you the thing that he thinks will trigger this guy to be like wow i remember the good old days so mm-hmm. he shows you singing in the rain a much better i mean a drop dead, well, a dead so, yeah. there's, I, there's not I'm not wearing a stock, right? It's yeah. that's on the Mount Rushmore. Unfuckwithable. You ever try to fuck with that movie? Uh, oh. We'll sing in your rain. Be careful. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make you write on your letterbox 500 times. That, <laughs> we'll send. We'll send a Fleas character from this movie after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I gotta Not say, yet. that was that was awesome. That was fun. That was fun. But he will. It's always good to see him back. He's great. But he will be dressed nothing on sock on the penis. <laughs> yeah, and P- you'll be a P- PRMC style. Yeah, <laughs> out of our hands. But so the end of the movie, he goes and he's sitting in the theater. He's watching this movie. You're immediately reminded of the movie you could have been watching, and then <laughs> he's watching it, and he suddenly has like I guess of like a. The, the worst version of histoire du cinema vision of like the future where he like sees the future of movies like he I sees like the development of cgi and i guess it's trying to be like damien chazelle this is where the liberty spikes get all the elmer's glue and, <laughs> and the green the green yeah yes yes he used the uh the hot topic spray and yeah. yeah he's got leopard print and it's just so embarrassing how he tries to be like man cgi like it's like man you like ever think about how like the movies like started black and white no sound then they had sound and they got color man and then like fucking like cgi is invented man like that's what this amounts to it's crazy and it just amounts to him showing clips from Spielberg and uh, Lucas movies, and also James Cameron, but also Damien. If you were a fucking Oscar bait listener, you should have known to throw a couple of Zemeckis movies in there. That's right. But if Beowulf wasn't in that montage, I don't want to talk. <laughs> Listen, buddy, if Beowulf was in that montage, I'd be like, all right. Well, we give it a, at least we he give knows. It a, at least we he's give like, it a begrudging but a loving pass. 
at least he's being honest about what he's trying to say about CGI. But I'm sorry, yeah. you get our boy Robert in there, you were yeah. missing a crucial chapter in my skim Liberty Spike. <laughs> but you know so that's the end of the movie and then the guy like is like speechless and then it ends but you're yeah. amazed because what's so infuriating about that scene is not only how stupid he is and how lame and the execution of it it's that this movie still hasn't ended and by that point you're like why why are you doing this did, did you watch I don't feel like he watched the full cut of it like he only helped sit in on the editing sessions and sections and never yeah. like watched it as an I experience. still don't think he's seen it <laughs> I don't think he sat and rewatched it because it's like if you think people are going to be on board for you taking this leap at the end of this exhausting fucking snooze fest then buddy I don't know what to tell you I, I mean I hope this kind of ends your career in Hollywood because it it won't. It might slow it down a little bit. This is a like a bomb of a fucking thing, and it lost. It's gonna a lot. be huge when it streams. Well, the French love it. Well, it's already streaming now, and it's not huge. Oh, I meant free stream, not like VOD. I mean, just click it. Maybe, but I don't know. We'll see. No, Netflix will pay for it, and it's gonna be the top movie for a long time. Well, here's what we are. Here's where we are, folks. We have two thumbs down to the uh, all at once everything together and then we have one little side thumb up or no a down and a side thumb up for Babylon we have then a resounding one million thumbs up or um, a movie that floored us both because we were, we'd been arguing back and forth about you know what we thought our favorite movie of the year was or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then and the the when we both watched this, it's it's actually one of the only times we've not even like fucked with each other back and forth. Yeah, on our own movie, we both were just like, no, this is correct. Like this is the you know, this is easily the the best the best thing that happened this last year, and that is a. Uh, that's someone who I get mad at him because every time he comes out with a movie, I, it turns out you didn't make a great movie before because this one's so much better than the last one. But all of them, you know, keep doing that, which is an amazing feat. And that's, you know, Albert Sarah um, and his movie fucking Pacifiction this year, which uh, truly floored me. I watched that uh, three times within two days because I couldn't. I could not get it out of my skull. Just the level of the level of craft on display, and also understanding of pacing, and I mean everything, everything. Yeah, I mean Albert Sarah is a dude who's been knocking at the the provocateur door for quite a while now, and uh, I mean his last movie was about French libertines. Ducking and sucking in the Bavarian woods, and it's great. It's and a it's great time. It's it's a really it's really great. <laughs> I like yeah. Liberty a lot. It's great. It is. Um, and I like Story of My Death. That's a yeah. movie that where he basically fantasizes. Uh, what if Casanova met Count Dracula? Yeah, it's such history. a like a truly a twisted idea in the purest sense. Yeah, and they're both stand-ins for like the birth of modernism and like thought and uh, art and, you know, creative thinking. 
you know, it's a little bit pinky up. Like I'm, I'm sipping my, my, my really good oolong tea sure. uh, philosophizing, yeah. but for people who are still doing that, who are pulling it off in increasingly lamer, dumber ways, yeah. the guy knows what he's talking about. Like he's yeah. a smart dude. Um, and this time out of nowhere, at least in my opinion, out of nowhere, he was like, for the people who, you know, have been following what I'm doing, I'm going to do an exercise in restraint on myself and see what happens. Which is interesting because he's usually exercising restraint in your your patience with pacing. Yes, but he gives you, but normally he exercises that, but he gives you salacious stuff, right? Or he gives you a hook like that. And this time he was like, I'm going to, not entirely, of course, because he's a very, he's clearly a, I mean, he's very, you know, he's fucking French, but. Uh, well, he gives you he, history. He gives you historical yes. context in which to situate yourself, whether it's the yeah. three wise men, whether yeah. it's, you know, these fit characters of fiction and reality meeting um, or a monarch, a dying monarch, you know, you have that grounding into that world. So anyway, yeah. one but this, this time he's like, I'm going to discombobulate myself and you and put you in a place that most people don't know anything about at all, but that actually has an enormous effect on how things function. Uh, not just in that place, you know, and that's again, cause he's smart because mm-hmm. a shitty filmmaker would have made that a self-contained thing that right. was just about an Island. Um, but he also, for the most part is saying, I'm going to also take away the horn dog stuff. <laughs> For the most part, it's yeah, still yeah. Weird, most part. Well, it's it's gotten darker and it's become more off screen. Yeah, way more darker. off screen, way darker, more off screen. And he also is, I guess, the way to say it. I feel like maybe the uh, it's smarter because he, he, I mean, he's a lot smarter than I will ever be. Um, that's why I love watching his things, that's but sure. you know, he's always a, he's a, clearly has a brilliant, like crippled by it mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah. I imagine part of what how this started in his head is like, what if the apocalypse, right? Like, no, no one put, no one's pushing a button. Mm-hmm. No, one, you know, it's not some grandiose thing. It's not an asteroid. It's not all of that. It is a very painfully talked out slow thing amongst people who secretly actually run (laughs) everything that happens in the world and that's how the world ends but i want to see what it looks like if we watch that in real time Mm -hmm. the people who actually are making those decisions and what their lives are like and how fucking slow it is (laughs) it's crazy because he's he wanted to make i feel like maybe he's the truth will bore yes the truth will bore you if you're yeah, if yeah. really walking, I mean, you can read about it and it could be dry, but it's still the stake of like who controls things and who can break or make anything in this world. And but trying to sit and watch it as a procedural. Yeah, it's not sensational. It's not. And, that, and that's not to say that that's wrong. I mean, shit like The Insider is fantastic, but that's movie making of a different caliber a different school a different attitude this is um i mean this is truly like a michael mann movie like 
slow it's like chopped and screwed you know what i mean that's a stupid way to put it but but it's like no i understand it's a great way to put it i mean because it's also it's a perfect comparison too because it's just as riveting mm, and that's what's so that's what's so flooring about this whole experience this long movie they truly unless you know if you're not if you don't like your brain tickling along with your heart and your body or whatever when you watch movies, then sure, you're not going to like this. You're anything just fucking boring. But mm-hmm. if you're interested in how humans work and how art works <laughs> and how the world probably will actually end, this movie is wildly riveting and in like just deliciously like maddening at every turn because yeah. most of it is just people in rooms talking, but people who actually have the power to decide when it's when lights are out and when the talking does happen it's very i mean he he is really he really knows how to make the weight of words and something this slow pace like really impact i mean it's 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 all all the fat is stripped away and even when there's that great scene with him uh in the car where he's like kind of losing it and he's talking he still has the, the humility and the technical prowess to frame that guy's eyes in the rear view, like an audience member reacting out of boredom to this guy. But, <laughs> but at the same time, the actor is so captivating in what he's doing and this unraveling of his mind that you're oscillating between boredom and like hanging on this guy's every like uh syllable. And it's, I mean, I, I don't know how, many people can pull that off and well that's what's crazy because it i think there are people who have not fully but i think there are people who have pulled off potentially what is happening as far as the words that are spoken i think we've maybe been there before not exactly not been people who can like approach that like level of brilliance as far as the writing but i don't think i've seen someone who is using that writing and then also can match it visually in every single way. Yeah. Cause yeah. that's what, that's what floored me too. Cause I was like, sure. Great fucking script. Even when, when it started, I was like, you know, I mean, it's a fucking Albert Sarah movie. I was like, the words are going to make me feel better about the world. <laughs> Cause right. he doesn't fuck around with what's yeah. spoken on the screen. He strips it all down. Like you said, he, but he clearly starts from a big scope and then he strips away. Um, I guess what he would, we would think would be essential parts, but what he knows about his own story that he doesn't think they're essential. He thinks they're um, superfluous. Like they're not, this is what is so exciting and gets us actually talking genuinely for once on this. Yeah. <laughs> there's, like, uh, there's a want to play with form again. And this is what we're talking about. Like the indie cinema, man, that shit died when Claire Denis, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, Jim Jarmusch, all these motherfuckers, Leosh Karax, all these motherfuckers were like changing the game all around the world. Wong Kar Wai, everybody. One fucking Spike Lee to call back to earlier. For a time, Spike Lee was doing beautiful era, and we are lucky we got to live through it and kind of see it in the periphery. We're young, but like, remember it. And I remember like the impact that world, uh, discovering Taiwanese cinema. Mm-hmm. And like just being like, damn, like you know, Iranian cinema and Taiwanese cinema are trying to show a way towards the future with form. And sometimes that this what I'm called 
quote unquote slow cinema, one of the dumbest terms ever. <laughs> Um, it did some of it did become kind of stupid after a while. I, there, I saw a couple that were like, you know, there would be for every like passive fiction and um, or every mom crog that you get, I don't know, you get a cemetery of splendor. And I love a peach at Pong. Ooh, okay. okay, I love a peach at Pong. Memorial was one of my favorite films of last year, so I'm not. Well, he came back, he came, came back. back. But Cemetery of Splendor did feel like a misstep, and I tried rewatching it, and it just still, I was like, yeah, this is kind of. I'll give it to you outside of the last twenty. It's better at the end, but for the for the most part, kind of slog. Simon Long took it to the ultimate extreme with Days. Oh, uh, Days! But, but Days is amazing. Exceptional. Bro, I would, I would, I would, I would execute me if I thought that days. Oh, we wouldn't. I've never asked you how you felt about days because we understand each other. If we had to ask oh, yeah. each other how we felt about that movie, this would never have worked. I don't know. I just think you're. I think you're hitting on the right thing. Is that it? Did I think it lit us both up in a way that we weren't sure could happen right now anymore? Where it is that feeling, right? Like when you're, if you're in college or wherever you are, and you someone shows you, you know, for the to to just start with the banger, right? That started a lot of it. If someone throws on Rebels of the Neon God, and you were like, everything is truly different from right now, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like it, it truly changes the way you experience everything from that point in your life, and that passive fiction is on that level, and that's crazy. And in, in the context of that filmmaker, so let's say you see Rebels of a Neon God, then you see like the river or you see the wayward cloud or you see um, the hole or whatever you want to, whatever movie. And then you're like, wow, this filmmaker is so committed to that form they situated in my brain and heart. And now they're trying to like work with it and take it further. And they're trying to get to whatever they saw in their head with Rebels of a Neon God is probably what he finally fleshed out with days, decades later. And Sarah is a filmmaker like that, where you like, where it's weirder because he started slower, less cutting. And this is positively him making like Hollywood movie as much as I, you know. It is. No, it is. The amount of cuts in this for a Sarah movie is crazy. Yeah, and again, it's, it's perfect. It's it's why it's yeah. perfect the why you brought up Michael Mann because this is, it's just the I guess the negative image maybe would be the way to put it of a Michael Mann movie because yeah. it's literally everything he would never show, but it's 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 just completely inside out because he cho- he's not interested in showing what Mann wants to show and vice versa, you know? Right, Mann. Yeah, well, Mann. Especially, of- in, actually, I shouldn't even just say Mann. Maybe just insider. <laughs> For this, for this comparison, well, I mean, if you, I mean, it's easy to say, like with man, you think of like the landscapes of beaches and sunsets that manhunter or thief or whatever has shown. You well, know, but this is very they they see those things very differently. They do, but you know, this is a it's knocking on Miami Vice's door. The remake, sure, sure, like which I still think is we, we both probably agree is one of the boldest, um, formally experimental action films. Yeah. Of our life. Oh my god. Oh my god. And the theatrical cut. The director's cut's fine, but the director's theatrical cut sucks. Director's cut sucks. I don't know if I would say it sucks, but it is not the theatrical it cut. It almost ruins it, I will say then, if not sucks. It almost fucks it up. Well, to start not so, start the movie the way the theatrical cut starts it, but what let's not yeah, get on. Wait, no, real quick though. Next season, beep this, but next season after our sponsor is very happy. Damn. 
We're going to keep people at the theater for a long time. Oh, that's worth it, though. Yeah, that would be sick. Let's just talk a little bit about the plot, because I would never harangue anybody for not being a little confused about the plot of the movie. Oh, and I sure. don't think you're giving anything away because the plot isn't the point. I mean, there's mystery and tension, but it doesn't build in like that normal way. It builds with the way characters' eyes look and how they stare across a room at someone. Like that amazing actress in the movie who's clearly not an, an actress, probably just like a uh, just a local person. Oh, it has to be. It has to be a non-actor because she's too good. She's too good. Yeah, pure. Shana or Shana. Yeah. 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 Wait, I'll just read then. I'll just read the. I'm just gonna read the the generic plot description. Okay, you do that while I'm while I eat. Okay, on the French Polynesian island of Tahiti, the High Commissioner of the Republic and French government official De Roller is a calculating man with flawless manners. His somewhat broad perception of his role brings him to navigate the high end establishment as well as shady venues where he mingles with the locals. A persistent rumor also has been going around. The sighting of a submarine with a ghostly presence could herald the return of French nuclear testing. Right. So that's the baseline of going into this movie. Now, I know that not all of our listeners are the kind of psychos that buy Peter Dale Scott books like me. <laughs> and get really into shit like Pro and like Stay Behind Missions, Operation Gladio, shit like that. So, there might be some points in the movie you could be confused. I'm only saying this. I'm not going to spoil anything. This movie is playing right now in the city of Chicago at the mm-hmm. Gene School Film Theater. I was there the other night. We had a lovely time. And you know what? I wasn't even conditioned to have a lovely time. This is how good the movie is. Let me walk you through how I got to the movie. I'm late because I'm dealing with our Zemeckis rollout. I'm emailing at the same time. I get off at the wrong stop. It's a rainy day. I go the wrong way towards the Siskel because I'm emailing your ass. And then it's raining on me. I've got an umbrella. I'm soaked. I've walked the complete opposite way. I hail a cab and the guy's like cash only and I'm pulling out as much as I am. I'm just like, just, I, I do take the, please. I have to get to the Gene Siskel. I get to the Gene Siskel. I am soaked. My feet are soaked. I'm about to sit down for what I know is an excruciatingly long movie. Maybe I'm taking my shoes off. Maybe I'm pulling my socks off and wringing <laughs> it out. But I went from thinking this is going to be the most miserable experience and I might end up hating this movie to just being seduced 20 Mm -hmm. minutes went by and i was like i'm back in this fucking thing i didn't care that i was about to get sick potentially because my feet were freezing worth it and probably smelling the theater up but you know i didn't care because i felt so enraptured by this movie the actor the non-actors in this movie are so dynamic we talked about the shana character she's got everything that you want in that non-actor character because her eyes her face her body language communicate everything you need to know about what she might be doing that we're not seeing that is only being suggested the duplicitness the paranoia of the film the the so what i was trying to get at is there is um this will read the sub or read the plot of the movie but 
there's a subplot of the movie dealing with our main character who is very funnily dressed like the director himself, Albert Serra. It reminds me of something like Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, mm-hmm. where the filmmaker just makes their main character look like them. And um, he is uh, meeting with some locals who are upset about the um, the nuclear testing. And there is a radical group that is wanting to, um, and skip this if you don't want to know, but if you were confused or just want to know this going in, it won't ruin the experience. So there's this radical grassroots movement that is trying to um, to stop this nuclear testing by this French admiral who looks like he should have been one of the people marrying off his daughters at the beginning of Solo. Mm-hmm. He is um, – this movement is trying to stop it. And they're warning Albert Serra's character, like, you know, we, we, we just want it to be f- – we want it to be fair for the local community. We do not want to resume testing. Uh, there's that great – line he has about like the lady who has all the cancer horrifying horrifying and uh, he, they don't want to resume this but over the course of the movie this character that he's talking to who i think is an actor but yes yeah he's good he's yeah. amazing uh at some point the most probably what you could say dynamic scene of the movie is when he goes to his place and he meets with him to talk with him and they have what for the movie a heated exchange Mm-hmm. And there's that guy sitting in the corner who he says is his uh, quote, American friend. Now I don't think I need to. I just mentioned COINTELPRO. I don't need to tell you who this character is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This is clearly a CIA agent working on behalf of like an oil company, any shell company that is a conduit for illegal activity being processed through main channels. That is what this guy represents. So his presence being there is he has co-opted this movement, this leftist movement, and he is going to use it now for his own political uh, chess match with um, China, Russia, France, the UK, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And so now things are suddenly being done in bad faith. And our main character, who is not a good character, he's a a sleazy-ass dude, but compared to the rest of the motherfuckers in this movie, you have no choice but to latch onto him. Mm-hmm. And he knows what's going on. And I, 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 I want to point out that I think there's probably been some confusion with that scene because you don't know maybe what's happening there. But what this movie is getting at is this paranoia of your loyalties constantly changing. The things that you think are as they are are not what they are. And especially in this milieu, the, the the atmosphere this fucking guy is dealing in, beautiful on surface. He's like he's also at the start and up to that scene. He is couldn't be more the the denotation of cocksure, right? Like he runs shit, and that's why he's so excited to meet with this underground group, this leftist group, to tell them like. Just like, slow your roll, I'm taking fucking care of you, which he believes at that time. He believes he has the ability to take care of them and to help. Mm-hmm. He believes that until this scene, and that's where it starts to crack and where things start to get interesting, where he, whether he can accept it or not, realizes that he also is truly out of his own depth. And, and getting further so and further. Bigger. And getting further and further because as he does this, clearly money and other interests are being brought in. And that's all happening off screen. So we are torturously 
and oh, we benefit so much from a movie just taking place from one character's perspective. Do God, do I miss that? Mm-hmm. Please call all filmmakers. You don't have to write eight characters into a thing. You're watching too much television. Focus on one person's train of thought. Just try it. As well, a master that first, and then if you want to try to do truly a masterful ensemble, you can figure it out later. Yeah, it's going to take a long time, but you'll get yeah, there. You can't, you can't do it out the gates. So, <laughs> And this movie just, the paranoia builds as he starts to realize that what he knows is slipping. The guy that plays the Admiral, Christ. I mean, the <laughs> scene... Christ is right. Yeah, the, the most chilling scene is the scene where he's asking him, so what's going on with these girls that you're bringing to the submarine and they come back in a, quote, terrible state? Uh-huh. I don't it's, know. It's one of the coldest things I've ever seen. It's cold because then he even has his character has to say, let's not dwell too much on the girls. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the nuclear testing. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the kind of characters this guy knows that he's up against. He is up against an untold, powerful, yep. uh, systemic, completely safeguarded by the powers that be evil that, you know, you, you might go a little crazy and stand in the rain and just stare up and wait as the water drips because you know you're, you're, you're coming to an end. Or at the very least, you're going to have to play ball with these sick uh, rapist sailors. So, or even Or even think... I would even argue, think you have the option of deciding to play ball with what's happening. Right. That's part of what's so fucking unsettling, too, is seeing him, like, his stomach flip for the first time ever since he's been on this island, clearly, where he ran shit. Seeing his stomach just somersault over and over because he realizes that maybe he doesn't actually have a choice anymore. Cause, right, because he's clearly using people like the Shauna character. Oh, oh he's, he's playing he's, with them to get information and stuff. Yeah. But he, it's such a beautiful flip because then the movie becomes almost more expressionistic. Oh, and, it does, yeah. And it's just, it gives into like him looking at the world as it ends. And yeah. it's so chilling. It's such a fucking, and we don't have to give it away. I mean, no, we can't. We cannot talk about the... We can't. We won't, no, that, that was the thing. The spoiler is describing the scenes. Knowing how the movie ends doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it's... But you just don't even say the last shot. Like, I'm not going to say... Oh, I would never. Okay. Would never. But it, it is Sarah's succession of images that make this thing such a dynamic, must-go-see thing. So if you made it to the end of this super long episode... You've we're not even don't see the first two if you you know care about your own mental <laughs> trillness, but if not, think about think about <laughs> wanting to feel something for movies again. And if you really want something to just tickle your hole, then you need to go to the Gene Siskel. Yep. We love we love the mm-hmm. Gene Siskel. Go see Passive fiction while it's still here. Hopefully, I can get this um, beeped in time, and uh, I can <laughs> I can get out there so people can hear it and go go yeah, see it. Yeah, please, truly, truly, like it just it's a yeah, and just it's it's also the kind of movie that is not made often anymore, where 
the best way to do it is just to experience it and then don't worry about understanding how you want to talk about it figuring out how you understand it figuring out how you want to put it on letterbox figuring out how you want to tell your friends about it just fucking live in it for a minute and yeah yeah just feel like and remember what it's like when movies can do that it sounds silly but you know what i mean like it's I do. Just you're remember right. what can happen when art is made so sincerely. When it's art, when it's truly art, and yeah. like, if you're one of these people that gets worried about if they're not understanding a movie, you got to cut that out. Mm-hmm. And not being honest, grow up. You don't have to understand it. Sometimes you just sometimes you just have to. The movies are a succession of images and sounds. And sometimes that's a great way to approach it, approach a movie because you're not worried about connecting everything. You're going along with the ride the filmmaker wants you to have because they're smart and they want you to see it again. The kind of thing I love about this kind of movie is your heart and whatever an actual soul is understands what's going on long before your brain can ever even start to oversimplify it and turn it into stupid human shit that we have to be able to, you know, break apart like we do. That to me is when art really sings. When your guts understand what's happening first and understand why it's so special before your brain can come along and try to ruin it. <laughs> I think we've made our point and I think, yeah. uh, I think you know what to go do. So look, we did it. We, we were genuine. We were genuine for a whole episode in 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 negativity and in positivity. So yeah. take that. And we'll all, see you in a couple days. All, for not all weed jokes, more. okay? It's uh, <laughs> mostly though it is mostly weed jokes, but yeah. it's also uh, just remember that we get we gave a shit, we still give a shit, but we're uh, we used to give way more of a shit. Yep, but we're gonna keep yeah. going because of movies like Pacifiction reminded us why we care about it. it. Really did both of us reminded us why it's all worth it. Yeah, it's it's like, that kind of movie. Yeah, okay, I'll put the gun back in its holster. Yeah. yeah, I even I I like I I closed the the little piece of leather with the button. Even. I, I don't even need it ready. I know you're talking about the back of your gimp suit too. I know you. <laughs> right, there we go. And on right. that note, that's that's how you end. we'll see. Uh, Chicago no. niggas name that shit Ben Laden Weed, man. Some straight fire. Who got that hydro? Who got that light green? Who got that Bobby Brown? Who got that Latin weed? Who got that hydro? Who got that light green? Bobby Brown, who got the Latin weed, who got the hydro, who got the light green, who got the Bobby Brown, who got the Latin weed, who got the hydro, who got the light green, who got the Bobby Brown, who got the Latin weed. I swear sometimes I gotta get high to hang around my hope. Sometimes I feel like gotta get high to hang around niggas I know. I sped it up on weed, I slowed it down on snow, cause I seen so many niggas fall off that blow. One day they got it all, got the next ain't shit to show, shit so off the gates of my nature, I had to